Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Warrior Monk Podcast. My guest on today's episode is Nick Heath, who is known at his Instagram handle as The Breathing Diabetic. I first started following Nick after seeing him participate in a 100-mile walk that he did to bring awareness and raise money for health interventions through breathwork he did in conjunction with the Health and Human Performance Foundation. See, Nick has type 1 diabetes, and he's been using breathwork to help manage his disease for a number of years now. He has some really interesting experience and viewpoints to share on how breathwork has affected his life, and I know you're going to enjoy my conversation with him, and I'm sure you'll have some takeaways to include in your own breathwork or fitness practice. But before I get into the interview, I'd like to take just a minute to tell you about the sponsor of this podcast. This Warrior Monk podcast is being brought to you by 10,000. 10,000 is by far my favorite athletic clothing brand because they have the highest quality athletic apparel on the market. As a tactical athlete, I torture my gym clothes during my daily workouts, and no other athletic clothing brand stands up to hard use like 10,000. 10,000's versatile tee is one of my favorites. It's made of sweat wicking and quick drying material. It stretches and moves with you. It has flat lock seams that prevent chafing and rubbing. And it also has a silver ion anti-odor treatment that keeps your clothes from stinking. Also, the versatile short sleeve shirt and tank top have just landed in four all new colors, Acid, Coastal, Adobe, and Cactus. No other athletic brand gives their clothing the same level of versatility, durability, and quality. If you want to get a versatile tee or try any of 10,000's other high-quality performance products, just head on over to www.10,000.cc and use code LRADFORD15 to save 15% at checkout. That's L as in Lance, R-A-D-F-O-R-D-1-5, and that'll save you 15%. Go ahead and place an order today for some amazing activewear and know that you're helping the Warrior Monk podcast produce more content. Thank you for your support, and without any other interruptions, here's my conversation with Nick Heath. All right, everyone, thank you for coming back to the Warrior Monk podcast. I've got a very cool guest today. I've got Nick Heath, and he is an interesting character. He goes by the breathing diabetic uh, on his handle. Um, I'm just going to preface this uh podcast episode and let you guys know that I'm currently on an Air Force base and on orders and you may hear some jets screaming in the background. Um, but you know, that is part of the, of the business and, uh, Nick was available at this time. So we're going to work around the, uh, the Air Force doing their thing in the background, but getting into Nick's resume a little bit, I don't want to speak entirely for him, but, um, he's a, he's a man of science. He's a published PhD in atmospheric science. Um, but you, you really came across a challenge at a young age because you were diagnosed, uh, with type one diabetes, uh, and you've been on your own journey, which I've been following a little bit online through social media, uh, and you're studying and, uh, practice of breath work and, uh, kind of looking at all the science and data and information that's been coming out and around breath work over the past several years and continues to come out. Um, and it seems like it's really been an integrative part of your, lifestyle and uh improving your own health and you share a lot of that uh, with other people with your your presence online through through the uh, breathing diabetic so thank you for joining me thanks for being here and i'm looking forward to this conversation nick yeah thanks for having me i'm looking forward to it too yeah so um 
Can you tell me a little bit about your story? And, and I've read a little bit online, but I haven't really heard it uh, straight from, from your mouth. Um, kind of like where, when you found out like that you were a type one diabetic and, and some of the challenges that you faced, um, you know, coming with to that with from a young age. Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm 36 now for reference. So I, I got diagnosed when I was 11. And uh, yeah, it completely changed my life. I was throwing up blood and all these crazy, you know, I got super sick. I kind of had the the standard uh, ketoacidosis, uh, very typical type one diabetic diagnosis story. But yeah, after 11, I kind of, you know, I was a kid, my parents were really cool to me, like wanted me to live a normal life. So I didn't let it get like too much into my identity. Like I was always taking care of myself, but, um, you know, I was able to live a pretty normal life. But as I got older, I mean, things were just deteriorating. I was always like, I always got sick. I always got like pneumonia or this or the flu. I was mm. always sick. And it was a big part of it was bad blood sugars. Um, when I started my master's, I started having like panic attacks and was put on, you know, antidepressants and things like that because it was just getting out of control. Now, I don't know how much was what, you know, but a big part of it was that I was not managing my blood sugars that well. So I got interested in like um, diet. Uh, I got, you know, onto like the kind of paleo scene at first and started eating differently. And, and I saw dramatic changes in my blood sugars going from eating, you know, complete garbage, like fast food, every single meal to eating these green things they call vegetables and fruits <laughs> and all this stuff that like I'd never put him, you know, ever eaten. So, um, so that kind of like opened my brain to this idea of like, oh, there's things I can do self agency, I can take care of myself. And, and that really started me on like a path that that was at age 25 ish of like taking control of my health and my diabetes. And then, um, yeah, if, if we want to jump right into the breathing stuff, I can, or if you have any questions uh, along the diabetes front, just I can stop here. No, uh, no, I appreciate a little bit of background. Uh, yeah, a, a couple questions. I, I'm, I'm just curious about there. So, um, obviously, like a lot of a lot of detriments to your health growing up. So, c can I ask, like, maybe a little bit about like the 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 dietary style of, of of your diet? Like, as a kid, do you think that was a contributing factor, or do you think this was, this was a big genetic thing that that got you, uh, you know, as a type one diabetic as a kid? Yeah. So. With type 1 diabetes, there there's no real um, – no one knows what, what triggers it. Right. So, uh, you know, I don't know if – you know, they, they yeah, I don't want to speak to it because I, I don't know what triggers it. No one seems to know. Um, I was definitely, you know, not the healthiest kid, but I, I was active. I was a skateboarder, always skating, like always outside. So it wasn't that I was like, you know, just – doing, you know, really bad things for my health. So I think, you know, from what we understand scientifically, it's all genetic, but um, who knows, there's got to be some sort of triggering factor, some environmental setting that, you know, matches the genetics to make it actually happen. Um, but so I'm not sure what actually caused it, but I, I was a pretty active kid, just a normal, you know, skateboarder type, you know, uh, I was actually getting diabetes that turned me into a huge video game nerd because I lost all of my energy and I just sat around and right, played video yeah. games all day drink. And yeah. But, but dietarily, like once I got diagnosed, you know, I didn't change anything. All I did was eat like a kid eats. I would eat just crazy and crazy amounts of food, regular Coca-Cola's all day and all this different things. So it definitely didn't contribute to, uh, to managing it well, but I don't know what, you know, actually triggered me getting it at age 11. Sure. And as, as you said, we still don't know. It's still kind of a, a phenomenon we're trying to, I guess, understand as a society as the 
as the, I guess, more research goes into it and we kind of try to, to look at the data and try to figure out where it's stemming from. But I do appreciate you kind of sharing it because it's, I mean, depending on how you want to put it as a perspective, right? But it is, I mean, it's borderline traumatic as a, as a kid to find out you've got this thing that's, you know, hard to, ch- to, to deal with from a, from a physical level, but I'm sure emotionally too. And, and like you said, you're like vomiting up blood and you've got no energy and, you know, you're like, why, why am I facing this? And other kids aren't, you know, I'm sure this is a, these are emotions and feelings that kids are, are dealing with on a regular basis. So it's not fun. It's not cool, man. But I do will say that you seem like you have a really resilient attitude towards it. And uh, I, I love that. And I guess that serves kind of as a transition point to asking you, like, when did you start looking at breath work uh, and and it affecting your metabolism and what made you decide to take that deep dive into that as, as integrating that into your, your health approach? Yeah. So with, with breathing specifically, um, it came a little later in life. I was about, well, I guess I don't know the exact age, but I, I discovered uh, Mark Devine. He had a book called The Way of the Seal, and I read it. I was in, I was, I think it was around 2014, and I started getting into yoga and things. I was in college. I was finishing my PhD, so I was like, uh, I was kind of just trying to find other things to, to for stress relief, essentially. Yeah. And so I was doing some like yoga, and he talked about box breathing. So I started some box breathing, and um, but but it was that was just kind of laid the foundation. And then later on, I discovered Wim Hof. And if you ever hear Wim Hof talk, you know, he can be very charismatic and, and draw you into his way of thinking. So I got very into the Wim Hof method for about a year without having any knowledge, like no understanding of breathing. I just did it. I just thought, oh, this is the coolest thing. It kind of gives you this body high. But it wasn't until I discovered a, a person named Patrick McCune. He has a program called the Oxygen Advantage. And I started actually implementing some of his principles and it like completely changed my life, like my, my blood sugars were better. I was sleeping better. I had way more energy and all this stuff. And I thought, this is wild. Like all I did was change a couple of things about how I breathe. And so as a, you know, background with science, even though I wasn't a pulmonologist or, or, you know, a respiratory physiologist or anything, I knew how to read papers and and find Mm -hmm. research. So I said, Oh, I'm just going to on the side, start looking up papers and see what's going on here. And sure enough, you know, you start uncovering one study after another, and it's just like this never-ending rabbit hole that I'm today still on, right? I still have papers all around me. And it's like, I it all kind of came together like, oh, it, breathing is everything, right? It's like, it, it took a long time to get there, but it's like without breath, you have no life. And it's all kind of cliche, but then you look at like, oh, it really, it impacts your nervous system. It impacts your brain health. It impacts, yeah, your emotional health and all these different things. And so I got like, super into it. And it was really like seeing papers published in nature, like really prestigious journals talking about breathing specifically for diabetes at the time. That made me think, what, how is this not known? Like I can literally just breathe slowly through my nose for a few minutes a day. And like, it's dramatically reducing my stress. It's improving my insulin sensitivity. So I started the breathing diabetic as kind of like a, I need to share this with people. So that was like five years ago or so. Um, and it's kind of snowballed a little bit. I mean, it, it just still kind of my, my passion, but, um, but it really was just seeing papers that actually showed this stuff. Wasn't just me. I wasn't crazy. Uh, that made me think I need to share it and really start to like, uh, get this stuff out to people who might be interested. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm a fellow, um, believer if you want to call that but also a researcher into into breath science um 
the stuff from Wim Hof is great. Um, also read the oxygen advantage. Uh, and I did, I did my, my own stuff through, uh, the art of breath guys, okay, um, cool. where they're, they're shift adapt now. And also the XPT Larry Hamilton and, and Gabby Reese and, and their team, which, you know, they're, they're all kind of drawing on some of the same big names of, of people who are in this, this realm of researching breathing science. And, you know, it's so funny because, uh, I'm a certified strength and conditioning coach, and this is kind of my side gig is podcasting and talking about health and wellness and fitness, but also doing one-on-one coaching with people. And it seems like with fitness, people get so sucked into what they put in their body, right? Like as far as food, they want to know about nutrition and and, and supplements and maybe even potentially uh, exogenous substances, you know, drugs and stuff like that. But, you know, you can survive. A, we talk about survival in the military a lot. You can survive a week without food. You can survive you know, a couple of days without water, but you only survive a couple minutes without breathing. So when we want to talk about how metabolically it affects you and how important it is, it's kind of of those three factors, it really is the most important one. Um, and I'm sure people are probably thinking right now, like, well, what do you mean? You're, you know, Nick, you're making these claims that like your, your insulin sensitivity and your, your blood sugars were better based on, based on your breathing. So they're probably wondering what, what are you doing? What are you doing differently? What about breathing? what thing are you doing that actually changes how your body's metabolizing food and sugars? Yeah. So there, there's really probably two key things. One is the nose, right? You, you know, this, if you, if you study with Brian McKenzie and them and, and uh, you know, the nose is kind of the, the, the basis of all of healthy breathing. Now there's reasons to breathe through your mouth. It's not that you can't ever do it, but, but the nose like filters the air. It, it aids in redistributing blood flow in our lungs and this helps you get more oxygen into your blood. And, and this is really important from like a diabetic perspective because we have this like chronic lack of oxygen at the cellular level. And so it they call it tissue hypoxia. And this is one of those um, kind of unit or unifying complications of diabetes. Like the tissue hypoxia causes sympathetic overactivation and all these different things, right? And and so by just breathing through our nose and getting a little more oxygen at the tissue level, like Maybe it's not going to reverse it 100%, right? But it's going to help some. And then that's going to have a, a downstream impact on everything if you're getting more oxygen to the cells. And that's just as simple as like nose breathing. But then slow breathing is really uh, what I got super into is um, generally this is breathing at a rate below about 10 breaths per minute. But when you see it in studies, it's almost always between like four and six and a half breaths a minute. And this is basically just... Uh, about half of an average breathing rate right now. I think that they average breathing is like 12 to 18 breaths per minute, somewhere in that range when you're just kind of resting, not doing anything. But then when you deliberately slow down your breathing to around, let's just say six breaths per minute for simplicity, it does all sorts of cool things for your cardiovascular system, your nervous system and lowering stress levels. And so you lower stress, you improve blood flow, you improve cardiovascular health, you lower your blood pressure. And it's kind of like all of these indirect components come together to help blood sugar regulation. Um, and, and it's like, there's no one thing I can point to to say, this is why breathing uh, can help with blood sugars. It's like, you know, 27 different things that can all come together and help people manage their blood sugars a little bit better. Um, and as a type one, you know, I, I'm very cautious about how I speak about it because, you know, our blood sugars go crazy for any reason. Like there's, I can just have a weird dream and I'll wake up high. Like that's just how having type one is. And so I'm, I hope that resonates with, with people with the disease. They know like, okay, 
I'm not saying it'll fix your blood sugars perfectly, but it can really have all these little minor impacts on every different aspect of your health that, yeah, just adds up to like much better control and much better like sense of agency for taking control of your life, right? If you can control your breath, you instantly feel that relaxation or the energizing. If you do some sort of like more upbeat breath work and you feel that energy, you're like, oh, wow, I can do this with just my breath. Like maybe I can test a few more times a day or maybe I can take my insulin. It really is like a mindset shift along with all of the physiology that uh, that becomes super powerful. And I kind of rambled there. So I'll wait. <laughs> I'll see if you have any follow-up questions before I keep going. No, man, ramble away. This is this is me interviewing you, so feel free to ramble. But no, I, I do love it. And I love the fact that you use that word agency too, because um, you know, one of the one of the things I think that's been a little bit disappointing about a shift in uh American society lately has been kind of the victimhood mentality. And I mean, don't get me wrong, like bad things happen to good people and people do bad things to other people, and certain systems are not set up to to bring people success. Um, but we we know that, you know, through psychological studies that it's not in your best interest to look at the world as being out to get you or to not to have a defeatist attitude. Right. And the fact that you say agency and like that, if there's that little bit of control that you can take back to owning, you know, your your blood sugar levels or, you know, how your metabolism was working. And that's not even getting into some of these, I guess more of the meditative and uh, neuroscience and psychological levels of what, you know, slow breathing and, and all that kind of can help you develop as well. I think it's a, I think it's a great thing. So, and I think you, you really hit the nail on the head too, that it's like, it's not like this one thing about it, right. Is what kind of makes it better. It's like, it's all these kind of little culmination of factors, which really ends up being human fitness at the end of the day. Anyway, it's not, you know, you can you can work out all you want, but you can't outwork a bad diet. And you can you can breathe all you want, but it's not you know it's not going to be everything. It's a it's a it's a lifestyle of of all these little components that you need to add up to that really improve our quality of life and change our perspective. So um, that's me rambling a little bit. But no, no, I'm, I love it. It's it's, <laughs> it's right on. Like because you know I'm very into the breathing stuff and and obsessed, like borderline obsessive about it. But you know it's. Yeah, it's one piece of the puzzle, right? If, if I did all my breathing stuff and then just like went and ate garbage food all the time and never moved my body once, like it would, my blood sugars wouldn't go be that much better. You know, it's a culmination of things. But I feel like if you think, you know, knocking over dominoes or something, it's like it's the first domino that will like when you get better energy from breathing, like you, you wake up refreshed. It's like, oh, well, now I want to walk more because I have energy. Like, oh, I want to read more. And these are my personal, like I, I say these examples because that was exactly what happened in my life. It was like, I want to go out and like walk more. I started walking down the beach. Oh, wow. Now I'm getting sun. I didn't mean to. Like, it wasn't like I intentionally said, oh, breathing fixed my life. It was like, it just did this one little change that then changed this, that then changed this. And now, you know, if it, it helps yeah. So it can help with a lot of aspects of life by just making that one small switch. Sure. And I'm, I'm curious a little bit just for, for kind of how you approach breath work for your own lifestyle. Is it something that you do in the morning and you wake up and it is almost like a, a meditative practice, or is this is just something that you focus on when you know you're expending energy, whether it's your daily fitness workout or doing, you know, doing activity in your hobbies, uh, or just, you know, like you said, taking a walk, you just, you know, you're, you're doing a little bit of physical activity. So it becomes more of a conscious effort, uh, or, you know, it's, or is it 
in culmination. It's just something you're trying to be mindful of all the time. Both. So I do have a formal like wake up very like I consider it my meditation. Um, mm-hmm. People would probably call it breath work, but it's it's to me breath work is like a subcategory of meditation because it, it's a focus on one object over and over. Um, and so I do my breathing, uh, you know, first thing in the morning, about 20 to 30 minutes every single morning. Um, and it's just slow breathing with with some mindfulness practices um, and then, you know, a bit of gratitude at the end. And and it, I find it really just sets the day up right. Like I, I start my baseline a lot lower, like my baseline stress is lower. So it takes a lot more to get me agitated as the day goes on. So to me, the morning breathing is like the most important part of my life. Like get that out of the way. Then it sets me up for a good day. But then, yeah, when I'm out, if I'm walking or if I, I like to surf, like I'm always tuning back into my breath. Sometimes it's a detriment because like you can't get away from it. Right. And so when you become obsessed with something that you can't ever escape, it can be a detriment to my, to my life sometimes, but I'm like, Oh, why am I breathing like this? Or why is this happening? But, um, but I do try to make it kind of my all day mindfulness, like come back to my breath, like I'm playing with my daughter um, at the park and I'll find, you know, I'm wandering about, Oh, I should do this or I should read this or I, and then I'm like, okay, take a breath come back, you know, your daughter's right here and then play with her. Like, don't focus on your breath. Like just use it as that reminder to come back to the moment and play with yeah. her and, and be there for her. And so I use it a lot for mindfulness um, or, for, or, you know, whatever word you want to call it, um, awareness and, and bringing me back to locations. And I think that's where it can get even more powerful, but there's no, it's, it's not quantifiable at that point. It's not like heart rate variability or, oxygen levels or brain waves, things we can measure with breathing. But when you can show up and, and remember things that you did with your family, that's a whole nother level of, of help. But that's taken me years to, to cultivate. And I'm like awful at it <laughs> to this day. Like I'm still practicing every single day. So, uh, so anyways, that's, that's some of the ways I use it all, all day and in the mornings, especially. Cool. I appreciate you sharing a little bit about it. And that, that resonates a lot with me too, because it's something that I found that I started to I got started getting interested in the breathwork stuff more for the performance aspect of it, but found that it's started to change my psychology and how I handle things in everyday life as well. So it's a, I guess, even if you don't come to it from a yoga or Zen or meditative um, approach to begin with, it starts to have that effect on your life uh, as a, as a wonderful and and, uh, peaceful byproduct. Right, exactly. And I, you know, one thing uh, that just to kind of, again, ramble a bit is that it really helps you like it. And it's not about being like woo woo or like, you know, just oh you're Zen all the time. It really just helps you become more you like, Mm -hmm. when you have more energy, your mind is clear, like, you might change a little bit, but you just discover more of yourself. And that's where I get super excited about all this stuff. Because it's like, man, I've, like if, if someone from high school saw me doing all this stuff, they'd be like, right. who is this kid? You know, it's like, I, but it's like this person was always inside of me. Right. It's a, uh, it's, it's not trying to be like some Zen monk or whatever it is. It's just becoming more yourself. And, and really as strange as it sounds like breathing can be that kind of, well, it is that, that gateway. That's what every ancient spiritual tradition fat discovered. Right. And, and we're just trying to, we're using our language of science to kind of show why it's so powerful um, and yeah, it's just, yeah, it's pretty, pretty remarkable stuff. Yeah. Well, an- another question I have for you too is, I mean, obviously we're, you know, we're harping and we're both, we're both sold on, on breath work and the potential for it to improve your life and your performance and everything. But 
um, you know, it's, it's very underrated probably with still within the health and fitness industry. And that's partly because it's very hard to sell, right? It's <laughs> American society is very much developed on creating stuff, uh, whether that's, that's, you know, products that people can use in the gym or pills or supplements or whatever. And it's kind of hard to just sell something that's, you know, involves just breathing. Um, and I'm curious, do people have a hard time believing your claims or buying into how much breath work has, uh, has changed your life? And, and if, if they do, um, do you ever find that they start to come back, maybe start implementing some things and they're like, okay, I see what you're talking about. Well, you know, that, that's a really good question. And I, so I've never had like a lot of like direct pushback in my face, like you're crazy type stuff. Cause you know, social media turns into an echo chamber where people, you know, you follow people you enjoy. And, and so we all kind of feed off of each other on there, but um, you know, f- friends and family, especially like, they're like, wait, no. It, but what's really interesting about breathing is once you kind of explain it, people seem to get it. Like they grasp it. And I think it's something intuitive about like when you're stressed and people say, take a deep breath or yoga breathing. And they, they associate it kind of with like meditation. So for me, I try to like present it in a reasonable manner. Like, Hey, it's not going to fix all your problems. Like it's not going to, uh, complete, like, you know, we just kind of rambled and I, I went on a pretty long tangent. Oh, it could help you discover who you are and things like that. But generally I, I'm pretty, like, I try to be pretty reserved about it. Like, Hey, just try it. Like, don't believe me. Like, just please try it. Um, and if you don't notice it, then find something else. Cause there's a million things you could do for your, but to better your health, like breathing, I think is the most important, but I'm sure like there's someone who could tell you, you know, no, you know, being out in nature is way more powerful and they could give you all the studies. So I know that I try to be realistic and like, there's lots of modalities, but you should at least switch to nose breathing. Uh, and, and I can show you that science and hopefully that will convince you and then try out some of these other practices and see, and, and I, and usually I get a pretty good response. Um, not always, but you know, for the most part, people are at least like willing to give it a shot and feel the difference for themselves. And just kind of as an example, I, I, I won't name names, but you know, in places I've worked, there's high big time scientists. Right. Um, and I've been able to speak with them. And since I've kind of moved on to all this breathing stuff and they might think I'm a little crazy. And then I'm like, well, just try it, you know? And, and I've had like scientists that, you know, are so big in their field that would probably, you know, tell me, Oh yeah, it helped lower my blood pressure or something like that. Um, that's crazy. Like, and, and then they immediately buy in because it actually, it, they saw numbers, you know, they saw changes in their numbers. Um, and so I really think like just getting people to try it is the best way to avoid some of that, <laughs> that, that pushback. Um, but I should note that, yeah, social media is that echo chamber. So once, <laughs> once you get out of there, you never know what you might find. That's very true. That's very true. And it, I definitely have experienced the echo chamber effect uh, there as well. But also there's some things about trying to defeat the the algorithms too of, of the, uh, I, I guess, for lack of a better term, smut. <laughs> that's all over, that's all over uh, social media as well. But I, I want to come back to that comment you just made about like, you know, talking about people in the, the scientific community and kind of like that maybe potential for uh enhancing performance right not for necessarily just from a physical level from a a mental level too and i think what what community would stand to have more to benefit from potentially 
enhancing your ability to handle stress or problem solve or, you know, work mentally than the scientific community. I mean, people working at NASA, working at, uh, in big academic institutions on some of the, the things that we really need in society, whether that's talking about working in, in space travel or, or talking about engineering and, and um, you know, the energy crisis and, and working towards new energy solutions and stuff like man, they're probably some of the people that could stand to benefit the most from uh, from breath work and trying to use it for the cognitive enhancing abilities, right? Yeah. I, w- I wish they would hire me to come do a seminar. <laughs> just kidding. They should. Have, no, you tried it? Yeah, have you tried selling them on it yet? No, no. I, I, I suck at all that stuff. But, um, but yeah, no. And I think what's interesting is they're the ones who would probably be on board once you explain it. Like, because sure. they need to hear the ration and that's why it worked for me, right? Like, seeing all the science i'm like oh okay so when when i breathe at this rate like my heart rate and my barrel receptors these signals from my breathing they they come into a coherence oh okay that makes sense and like so i think you know there's a lot of good in that there's so many scientific publications now using some form of breathing that you can you can frame it in a way that makes sense to scientists and in a way that makes sense to yogis or in a way that, and, you know, and that's, what's the beauty of it is like, come at it at whatever angle you want. And there's really like, there's no, uh, there's no uh, chink in the armor, I guess is a good, like, there's just, you know, it, it's useful in so many different areas, but I agree that if we could get it into some of these bigger corporations, that'd be pretty neat. Uh, I'm sure eventually it'll happen, but. No, I think, I think you're, you should do your seminar, man. I mean, if there's, Look, I can tell you from being, uh, I'll say, I won't say in, but around the special operations community, um, if they can get Navy SEALs and Green Berets to sit down and listen to someone talk about the benefits of of, of breath work for enhancing per- human performance, I'm sure it can come into the academic and corporate world too. So I, <laughs> I think you should do it. If, if you feel called to do it, man, I, I think right. there's a mar- enough of a market for it. Appreciate that. <laughs> And you're, and you're a good spokesperson for it, man, because you were your evidence of it too. But um, uh, yeah, for sure. But um, I do want to kind of ask you a little bit too, and I guess this is kind of still talking about societal issues, like, like how we need to handle with science, but you know, metabolic dysfunction, and I'll kind of define that as talking about not just diabetes, but the obesity and overweight issues that we're experiencing, not just here in the US, but, you know, starting to worldwide as well. You know, uh, diabetes is affecting about 10% of the U.S. population now. Uh, a third of people are considered obese. About half were considered overweight. How do you think, um, you know, from your experience as well as the research that you've done, that we can start to maybe correct course on this? And I would love to hear your thoughts maybe on this from a, the individual um, self-agency side as well as uh, from a societal standpoint as well. Well, you know, we just need to breathe through our nose and everything. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it, right? If only it was that easy. Uh, yeah, right. It's that simple. Why why not? Well, you know, that's a that's a heavy question and and I don't think I have a great answer like any great solution, but I will uh, one thing I can ta- I guess mention about it is like the the self-agency, like the individual perspective. That that's how I see things. I'm I'm very like um probably as you've seen, like, I don't ask people to do much. I I say, try it if you want to, like, do it if you want. I'm more a fan of like getting information out there and letting people decide what's right for them. So uh, whether they want to do whatever they want to do that will help their health, uh, but just getting as much information out there so that uh, 
you know, there's a, there's a lot, there's too much information in general, but the, if people just get exposed to certain ideas, something's going to resonate, right? Whether it is walking outside in nature or whether it is a slow breathing technique or meditation or yoga or high intensity interval training. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely a fan of like that, that self agency perspective of getting people the information they need so then they can pick modalities that will help their metabolic health. Um, I'm a big fan of like the, the mother Teresa, like if everyone sweep their own door, the whole world would be clean or, or Gandhi, the, be the change, like just, you know, being the best, uh, I can be, and then helping other people become the best they can be and, and, um, without forcing anything on them. So it's, it's kind of a dodgy answer because I don't have a good answer, but, um, but really it's just, I, I believe it's about empowering people to, to do it themselves. Now as a diabetic, like I know the whole industry is insane, like, insulin and just how much hundreds of billions of dollars that get spent on all these drugs and all that. So it's, it's way above my pay grade to even try to understand those, those kind of numbers. So to me, it's like, just help people do the best they can, like get people information that they can use. And that's, I mean, as as small a little human as I am in this world, that's what I try to do on Instagram is put out good information that people can actually like use and take with them. Um, But Aside from that, I, I'm not sure what the right answer is, but someone smarter than me will figure it out. I'm, I'm confident in that. <laughs> I, I agree with you definitely that education is a big piece of it. I think uh, I think it's a, in one way that we're we're failing uh, younger people as a society. Well, not just younger people. It's there's plenty of adults too that are walking around that don't have a good, uh, I guess, understanding of of nutrition and and how to responsibly handle their own health. Um, but I do pr- appreciate your perspective on it. And, uh, I do really like your, your perspective on agency because, uh, taking responsibility and, and action. And it, it's also, I mean, I'm not a dad, but you are, and I'm sure, you know, those kind of influences you have, um, uh, on your daughter and how she's going to be eating and doing physical activity in her life and stuff like that are going to have reap benefits for her, for her health down the road too. I'm sure. Yeah. I hope, you know, uh, that's all you can that's, do is, is that's right. Yeah, just, right. Yeah. That's what I always tell my wife and I talk about. It's like, cause you, just information changes and all these different things. And it's always like, Oh, well, now this isn't hell. It's like, you know, just do the absolute best you can with the information you have. Like if, if you're doing that, you can sleep well at night and, um, and, and, and not do be too hard on yourself. Like, you know, a little bit of acceptance of we're all human and there's flaws, but like, yeah, like with, with my daughter, it's like, yeah she'll take a carrot over a lollipop and i'm like yes like that's a win to me <laughs> that's a win like, yeah. for now she's only four so it's like who knows but um but uh so i hope that that doing things like that are you know reaping benefits long term um because that's all you can do right is influence your little sphere the best you can as long as you feel like you're doing you know the right thing um and so that's all yeah that's all we can do well, that's a that's a perfect segue too, because my next question I want to ask you is speaking of influence, is kind of who's influencing you right now, and that could be a personal relationship, uh, someone in your life, or maybe a book you're reading, an, another influencer, uh, artist, anything of that nature. Yeah, so there's several, but um, there's one one teacher I always listen to every single day. His name's Brian Johnson. Um, he he has a, a brand called Heroic. It used to be optimized, but uh, now it's Heroic. Um, and yeah, I've been a fan of his since I think probably 2014 or 2015. I signed up for his program and uh, and listen to him every day now with his little short nuggets of wisdom. So 
always coming back to him. Um, and he, he reviews books basically. He, he's a philosopher essentially, but like super modern, like upbeat, charismatic guy. Anyways, uh, love him to death. And then with books, I'm always reading books. So, um, that's my main source of information is books and scientific papers. So a couple authors that stand out as of late, um, there's one named Amishi Ja. She wrote a book called Peak Mind, which um, actually was looking at mindfulness for the military. Like what is the minimum effective dose possible to improve attention span and things like that. So her, her research is yeah, just mind blowing, uh, pun intended, I guess. But, but she really has just like, she has a concept called presiliency. Like, so instead of being resilient, right, we want to bounce right. back and all these things, which is amazing. But she says, let's take it a step farther. Let's call presiliency, like where when the stressful event is happening, you know, you have the cognitive resources to get through it. And love I that. just love that. Yeah, it just yeah. like gives me goosebumps just saying it. I'm like, this is it's so beautiful. So uh, I really she's resonating a lot with me. And then. I have gotten into John Kabat-Zinn, uh, mindfulness-based stress reduction stuff a lot lately. And that's that's been really interesting because it's kind of like most people start with breathing with the mindfulness stuff. But like you said, I can't, uh, you know, I came at it more from like a health perspective. And like, so now I'm starting to dive really into the mindfulness side of things. And it's like, yeah, it's been really transformative for my life. So um, I find that to be helpful. So John Kabat-Zinn is influencing my thoughts through his books. Uh, and, and those are the biggest three right now. Cool. I also, that's great. I, I'm, I'm familiar with Brian Johnson, but not Amishi Ja or, or John Kabat. So this is one of the ways I extend my sphere of influences by other people who I find interesting, such as yourself and who's influencing you. So I appreciate it. I'm going to look into them for sure. Awesome. Um, next question for you is when you hear the term warrior monk, uh, what does that mean to you or what do you think of when you hear it? That's, a, that's an awesome name. So that's the first thing I think of is like, that's amazing. When I saw your Instagram, I thought, oh, that's so cool, Warrior Monk. But it actually, it, to to say what it meant, because, you know, you sent me that one ahead of time. And I was trying to think, like, what does Warrior Monk mean to me? I really couldn't put it together. It's like, I, I loved it the second I saw it. But I, I what I decided is that, like, it to me, it implies action, like, I'm a huge book nerd. Like I love to read and contemplate and think, but like being a monk and a warrior, putting these concepts into real life action. So to me, it's about like putting principles for health, for wellness, for mind, mental health into real world practice. Like not just talking about them and saying, Oh, Hey, look at the science paper. But like, how do you apply that in your real life? And to me, that's like basically warrior monk gives me like warrior of the mind, like someone who goes out into the real world and like tests if their mind can handle these different scenarios. Um, and I did, I purposefully did not look up what, what, what your logic was because I didn't want to uh, skew my thinking. So I'd be interested to hear what it means to you and why you named it that if, if you're willing to share. <laughs> yeah, that's, you're, it's funny because I think you're the second or third guest now in a row to come back and ask me the question back. Uh, and, and my answer still remains that it's a, it's a constantly evolving definition for me. Um, uh, I am not, I would not say that I define myself as a warrior monk um, because the premise for me in starting this podcast is that I spent too much time trying to uh, identify myself with certain being a certain type of person. Uh, and that it's really about balance. And that's the premise of this podcast is personal growth through balance. There's a time to be a warrior. There's a time to be a monk. 
there's a time to be an academic. There's a time to be a dad or, or mom or what, a nurturer. You know, there's a time to be a protector. There's a time to be lots of things in life. Um, so, but to answer your question, the, the, it's constantly evolving and it evolves based off of the responses that I honestly get from, from my guests who I consider warrior monks such as yourself. So, uh, that's, that's my way of answering without answering. No, no, I I love it. That's, I mean, that's a great way to look at it. It's always evolving. Yes. Um, the last question for you is, uh, what is a tool or technique that you use to find balance in your own daily life? And I'm going to tell you that we can't use breath work <laughs> for, for the answer because oh. we've made the entire podcast about okay. breath work. So we're, I'm going to oh. force you to give me uh, either the, the alternative or maybe something else that you have in your toolbox. Okay. That's a good, well, there's, I'll give you two. Cause I, one, I can't okay. do that often. The one I would love the most is surfing. So mm. that is like, the resetter of everything. So I've, sure. that's, that's breathing, that's yoga, that's exercise, that's everything in one. Um, yeah. so if I can surf, uh, but that, that's very dependent on nature. So, um, I can't control that, but reading, I would say reading for me is the second biggest, uh, resetter. Like I love to just read. So, um, if, if I can't surf second will be, if I can't use breathing, then I'll go surfing. And if I can't use that because of, of waves then I'll say reading probably. Awesome. Do you, uh, just curious, do you get more enjoyment or do you find uh, more satisfaction in the fiction or nonfiction reading? No, oh, nonfiction. I've okay. I've never tried fiction, so really, yeah. Okay. Yeah. If I'd you want a recommendation, I'll give you a recommendation All for right. fiction that you might enjoy. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll take that recommendation. Okay. Cool, man. Well, Nick, um, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to speak to me. Um, I appreciate you joining me on this podcast. I think you're a very cool guy. I want to keep following you on your journey as a breathing diabetic. Where can people go if they want to follow you? They want to learn more about breath work, sign up for your newsletter, or just get in touch with you. Yeah, so I'm uh, the breathing diabetic on Instagram. That's really the only social I use. So I have them on all the other ones, but that's the the one I use. Um, And then I have thebreathingdiabetic.com, and there's a newsletter there. Um, I've been sending out a weekly newsletter for about four and a half years or so. So it's been a long, I, and it's one of my favorite things on the planet. It's free and it's just little nuggets of, of information. So if people are interested in learning more about breathing, uh, science and philosophy and kind of the, all, all aspects of it, uh, you can sign up. It's called, it's called The Breathing 411. Um, and the 411 is a steal of James Clear's work. Like, so it's four thoughts, one quote and one answer. Um, so it, it's a short, really quick, like two minutes, usually a week to read it um, and, and hopefully useful. So those would be the two best places. And I'm always available by email, nick at thebreathingdiabetic.com if people want to have like more personal questions and want to just chat. Very cool. Well, thanks again, man. And we'll, uh, we'll be in touch with you. Thanks again for awesome. your time. Yep. Thanks a lot, Lance. One more big thank you to Nick for joining me on this podcast. And again, if you're interested in learning more about breath work, connecting with Nick, or signing up for his regular newsletter, go ahead and give him a follow on Instagram at The Breathing Diabetic or check out his website, www.thebreathingdiabetic.com. If you've been enjoying the Worry Monk podcast, please share it on your social media or send it to a friend, family member, or fellow warrior monk. Also, please head back to wherever you are streaming or downloaded this episode from and leave us a review or comment. I always appreciate feedback and it does help the podcast out. 
Also, if you want to shoot me a direct message, you can do so on Instagram at the Warrior Monk Podcast or Facebook. If you have an idea for a future episode or a guest, that's a great way to start the conversation. Lastly, I would invite you to become a supporter of the Warrior Monk Podcast through our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash WM podcast. You can support the podcast through various pledges and each pledge comes with complimentary or exclusive Warrior Monk merch. We have stickers, Velcro, PVC patches, and t-shirts. As always, thank you for joining me. Thank you for your support. I look forward to bringing you more content in the future. Until then, let's continue to grow through balance. It's what the Warrior Monk podcast is all about. This is Lance signing out.